Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Frankie. And welcome to Propagated Podcast. face i'm all the way across the country from you right now but i know it's wild look at technology working out (laughs) yeah i brought all of my recording equipment all the way across the country and i'm here visiting my sweet baby nieces and i realized that i forgot headphones (laughs) of all the equipment i forgot headphones well it looks like you made something work so i made something be fine you know it's the easiest fix i I have a cute little story to tell you real quick. Go for it. So my dad rescued these turtles from the road and he watches over my aunt's house and he put them in her garden in the hopes that she wouldn't notice because she doesn't really like reptiles and she hasn't been here in a while. But then they were like so stoked about the turtles. They started feeding the turtles. And so now the turtles like come to the door because they're like, oh, do you have food for me? They're like, no, 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 you're supposed to hide. <laughs> but I thought that was really cute. These turtles are really sweet. Turtles are cute little beings. They're weird. They're like, <laughs> What was that? What was that, that was noise you just made? Fashion. I loved uh. it. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh. How's the weather over there? How have you been? I've been good. The weather is nice. The nights are starting to cool off, which I hate. Um, yeah. Mm, that's my favorite. I love a cool night. Hate it. I love a cool day also, but. I want it to be 90 year round. All hours. 80% humidity. Minimum. Uh, we already know how we feel about that. We're opposite. But <laughs> I'm like so ready. I was looking at pillows this week and I put some pumpkin pillows in my cart. I was like. These are really cute. I kind of really like them. <laughs> I know it's August, but <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever. Do what brings you joy. <laughs> Always. So I heard that you have an article for me. I do. I have an article by Jill Suddy, I think is how you would pronounce that. Um, it's from April of 2019. And the title is Why Trees Can Make You Happier. Um So essentially this whole article talks about several different studies that have been done that prove that trees specifically, not just nature, like trees specifically can increase your happiness and actually decrease violent tendencies and crime in an urban setting, which is kind of cool. So one of, I'm just going to kind of talk about some of the studies that they did. Uh, one of the more recent studies mentioned in the article happened in Japan, and it was with 585 young adults, um, and they were told to walk for 15 minutes in either an urban setting or in a forest. Hmm. So the forest and the urban centers were located in about 52 different places around Japan, and um, about a dozen participants walked in each area. In all of the cases, the participants walking in a forest experienced less, dang- experienced less anxiety, hostility, fatigue, confusion, and depressive symptoms, and, and more vigor compared to walking in the urban setting. 
Well, and yeah, I believe that. The results were even stronger for people who had anxious tendencies to begin with. Um, and I know that that like for people who obviously have an affinity for plants and nature anyways comes as no surprise. But for people who, you know, lived in a city their entire lives might not necessarily have a great or steady connection with nature. It could make a big difference. Yeah. Where was it going? Oh, uh, the authors of that study wrote the psychological benefits of walking through forests are very significant and forest environments are expected to have very important roles in promoting mental health in the future. And other studies suggest that the practice of forest bathing, which is essentially just going for a walk in the woods, can <laughs> uh, actually be a huge help in dealing with the stress and strain of any kind of urban living. Yeah, for sure. One of the other studies, which I guess is kind of on the same bit, happened in Poland, and the participants of this study uh, spent 15 minutes gazing at either a wintertime urban forest or an unforested urban landscape. And what I think was kind of interesting about this one specifically is that the trees in the forest had straight trunks and no leaves because it was winter. And there was no other shrubbery below the trees. So it was kind of a barren forest. Um, so simply put, there was no green. Um, and then obviously the urban landscape was an urban landscape buildings, roads, what have you. Before and after, the participants filled out questionnaires related to their moods and emotions. Those who gazed at a winter forest reported significantly better moods, more positive emotions, more vigor, and a greater sense of personal restoration afterwards than those who had gazed at the urban scene, which that one kind of surprised me a little bit because for me, I feel like I get a boost from the greenery, the life of it all. Yeah. And... Apparently, even when there isn't any greenery to be had, trees still have a positive effect on your mental outlook or mental health. Hmm. Interesting. Well, yeah, they have their own way of communicating. I'd believe that. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's tough to study that because it's mostly subjective. But still, I mean, you look at a tree and it makes you happy. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there was one thing that I was going to talk about. So... Literally, trees have been proven to improve our health, right? Mental and otherwise. So Mm -hmm. another study found that elderly patients suffering from COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease experienced decreases in perforin and granzyme B expressions, as well as decreased pro-inflammatory cytokines, which essentially all mean that spending time around trees increased their immune function. And... There are studies being done as to why that is a reality, but there are several studies suggesting that trees improve your immunity thanks to potentially a certain aromatic compound that they release. Hmm. There's one study that suggests that. It's not been peer-reviewed, so that's an idea, a theory, if you will, but not necessarily something that we know for sure. And then one last study. This It was a long article of basically just like studies that talked about all the health benefits of being around trees. But another study, the researchers looked at crime in Chicago. um, Mm -hmm. And then they essentially had a score for each census tract. And then they compared that percentage of crime versus canopy cover. 
and park space. And they found that for every 10% increase in tree canopy cover, crime rates went down in several categories. It was 11 point, or sorry, it was 11.3% for assaults, narcotics, and robbery, and 10.3% for battery. Well, but see, that's the one where you have to realize, like, we planted trees. Like, that's a little bit of environmental racism, too, because we planted trees in richer neighborhoods. You know, and more gentrified neighborhoods are going to have more trees. So That's very fair. Yeah. Yeah, but essentially, like I said, it was just an article about how if you don't often, you should go spend some time in and around trees. Well, cool. I think the more trees that we plant, the better off we're probably going to be as long as we keep and maintain them and, you know, <laughs> treat them with respect. <laughs> Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, Okay, well, I will go first. I'll tell you more about trees. We mentioned a little bit last week. Um, I only did Yggdrasil, the world tree in Norse mythology, and the tree of life because they were a lot, and there is a tree of life in almost every culture. So, (laughs) Imagine that. But now I do. (laughs) I mean, I feel like that, that one stands to reason in my brain. Yeah. Like we said last week, when you're growing up around the same trees your whole life and you're whole parent's life and their parent's life. They kind of take on a mystical quality. Absolutely. One thing I really wanted to talk about in the last episode, but forgot to because I was at least scatterbrained. Thank you, ADHD. (laughs) Um, Are you familiar with Pando? Pando. It is the giant aspen tree, the second largest organism. Oh, I feel like I should be. Yeah, I think you might. Okay, I'll tell you a little bit about it and maybe it'll come back. So Pando is Latin for I spread, and it is this clonal colony, like a colony of clones, of individual male quaking aspen, and it is one single living organism, which they found by testing genetic markers from the trees, and they found out that all of them share the same genetic markers, so technically it is one organism, which I think is really cool. It's this massive underground root system. And it's super duper ancient. It's most likely between 10,000 and 14,000 years old. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I struggle. I have problems with that. What? It, it has over and around 40,000 stems, like individual trees. But they're all the same because they all are genetically identical. <laughs> and they all share the same root system. Um, that is intense frankie i like what the fuck yeah pretty cool it um each tree lives for about 100 to 130 years and as they die they're just replaced by new growth so that's why they've been so old they just keep continuing this cycle how big is it like like what what area does it take up it's 108 acres 108 acres is about 57 soccer fields 67 57. 57. Who cares? That 10 honestly seems pretty negligible yeah. to me. That's so fucking ridiculous. It was only beat out as biggest organism by a honey fungus, a.k.a. Oh, my God. This one's hard. Amillaria osteoyei. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, I can't help you there. You know how great I am at that. So In the male... Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry, Oregonites. Malheur National Forest. 
I don't know. Email us at propagatedpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> um, but this one is actually gigantic. It is 2,385 acres or 1,350 soccer fields. Absolutely massive. Massive. And it is 2,400 to 8,600 years old. I'm pretty sure we we talked about that one before. We've talked we've we talked have. about the fun. At least you and I have for sure. Because that just blows my mind how huge that is. Have you watched Fantastic Fungi yet? Fungi? No, I haven't. No. Oh my god, Frankie, you're going to love it and you should watch it tonight. Okay, I'll put it on my list. No, like literally watch it tonight. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk to you about it. It needs to be bumped up your list to the top. Okay, fine. Okay, just for you. Just for you, I'll do it. <laughs> I've been really enjoying my garbage television. It's very relaxing. Well, this will relax you and make you all struck. Okay, I like that. Yeah, the next book I want to read is Entangled Life, which is all on the like weird lives of fungus. So I can't remember the guy's name, but I bet the author... He's an if he's a fungi. Merlin expert. Sheldrake is his name. Um no, I lied. On. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's Pando. Pretty cool. I actually, fun fact, have an aspen tattoo because when I found out that fact that a lot of aspen groves are just one single organism and all the trees are the same um, plant, pretty much. Um, I really liked that idea of like. You know, you're part of something bigger. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. There's a Japanese technique of bonsai that employs that principle too, where you uh, actually end up taking one tree and you like, like take the first layer of the bark off and add rooting hormone and set it sideways and let the trees grow out so it looks as if it's a grove of trees instead of just oh. one tree, but it's all the same plant. Like it's all the same. That's cool. One, one tree. I, I always thought that was one of my favorite ones, one of the coolest ones, and I think I, I imagine it's probably based off of that. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So I guess next we're gonna move on to Yggdrasil, the world tree. Yes. Now, this is some serious lore. The Norse mythology is it goes deep. <laughs> So if I miss your favorite thing, I'm so sorry, but I don't have time to delve into everything. <laughs> we'll have a five-hour episode for you one day. <laughs> don't promise that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lie. I'm never doing a five-hour episode. I'm sorry. I don't think I can sit for five hours. <laughs> no, it would have to be done in sections. <laughs> oh, okay. So... Yggdrasil is a giant living ash tree that encompasses the whole world. The etymology is kind of tricky. Um, it, a lot of expert translators put it into context, and this is kind of what they've agreed on is the meaning of Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil is one of Odin's names, meaning like terrifier, one who strikes. Um, and Drasil means horse, majestic. Like a, like a ceremonial majestic horse. So like directly translated, it's Odin's horse or gallows. But this is because in the story, Odin's in Odin's pursuit of knowledge, he hung himself from the tree for nine days because he wanted to gain 
the magic of the ruins from the tree. And, you know, in Norse mythology, if you want something, you've got to give something up. So it's kind of apparently like a joke that he's riding the tree. And so it's like became like Odin's horse is what Yggdrasil means, if that makes sense. I mean, it, that is, I'm sure there are probably thesis papers written just yeah, on that right. little bit right there. But yes, I I, I can gather the, the, the drift of it at least. Yeah. Radiating from the tree are the nine realms of existence on each branch in the tree. And they reach into the heavens. And it's rooted into the earth by these three gigantic roots, which I was so taken by this, the, the root lore. It's so cool. So the first root, it, it goes deep under the thick ice in, I don't know how to pronounce this, but Niflheim? Niflheim? Niflheim. Niflheim. Sounds right. right? Niflheim. But it's so deep under the ice that it takes Odin's horse sleep near nine days at full speed to arrive at the route. And all of these routes are fueled by their own well. And so this one is fueled by the well Vergilmar. Vergilmar? Honestly. <laughs> I feel like we haven't gotten any complaints about pronunciation and they're going to be some bros. It they're going to be some bros on here like um I'm sorry, you obviously don't know the pronunciations of your North mythology and that bothers me. Well, you know what? Sorry about it. <laughs> sorry about it. You can tell it to the email. <laughs> but <laughs> this is where Nithogr, who's the world serpent who lives under the roots. Um, lives and Nithogar means hateful striker and basically he's under this root just chewing at it all the time because he's trying to destroy all of these realms of existence by tipping the tree over and setting it off balance uh, he only stops chewing when he hears the hellhound Garmer howling in the distance and this is when Nithogar spreads its wings flies to the entrance of hell where new dead souls have arrived he flies down onto the ground next to them and then sucks all the blood out of all the corpses so they turn completely pale. <laughs> kind of badass. So, what, that's metal as fuck, honestly. But, right? Um, just to clarify, just because this... D holy fuck. So <laughs> what you're telling me is that the snake boy, whose name I'm not even going to try... Honestly, potentially a dragon in some interpretation. Okay, well, yeah, slithery, snaky, slithery bab, slithery bab, <laughs> the bad boy, whatever. The bad boy <laughs> runs. Our bad boy of is, this story. So the bad, the bad boy chews on the roots exclusively, <laughs> and will continually chew on the roots of the world tree mm -hmm, or Yggdrasil mm -hmm. until he hears a dog bark. Well, a hellhound. Okay, it's not just any dog. A dog barks. <laughs> and, and then the snake runs away. And yeah, then he sucks the suck blood out of... On the blood of corpses. I mean... <laughs> oh, so wait, it's a hellhound, not a safe, not a good dog. No, no, no. He's like, yo, dude, we got some fresh corpses for you. Nom, nom, oh, nom. Oh, <laughs> I was so confused. Sorry, I thought there was a good boy dog <laughs> running away from the bad boys, like the bad snake was running away no, no, from no, the good boy. No, no, they're both bad boys 
for sure. Okay, 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 okay. Clear, cleared up in my brain. Now we're good. Let's go. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so Nithogar is just chilling down there, and then there's also an eagle that lives like up top near the heavens and the branches. And between the two of them, I guess it's kind of like an allegory for good and evil. Between the two of them is Miss Chatty Cathy, whose name is Ratatosker, Ratatosker, <laughs> which means drill tooth. <laughs> drill tooth. And it's this, yeah, it's this dope squirrel. Well, they said annoying, but I think he sounds awesome. That just like runs in between them two, spreading drama to create the conflict between the two. <laughs> oh my God. So this Ratatada. <laughs> Person. Rat, rat, tata, tata, skusker. <laughs> rat, rat, it's R A T A T O S K R. Ratatoskar. Ratatoskar? Whatever. I don't know. However, so they're essentially, you got bad boy down below, good boy up mm-hmm. top, and you got uh-huh. pot stirring squirrel in the middle. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, that one neighbor that knows everything about everything. You know, honestly. I'm falling in love with this mythology because these are all things I that I did not know. It's pretty great. And the eagle doesn't even have a name, which I think was interesting. But um, I I actually don't know if it's like good and evil, though. I think it's just like like the cycles of life. You know, he's trying to imbalance the trees. But then like because I don't seem like it doesn't seem like anyone's really trying to stop him that much. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway. The second route <laughs> is in Jotunheim, which is the land of the giants. And it's fueled by Mimir's well, or Mimis Brunner, which is the well of wisdom, which is where Odin lost his eye. Basically, he drank from the well, and to gain his wisdom, he had to sacrifice his right eye. Damn, give and take. Give and I take know, it's it like all. Every single part of Norse mythology has another story and another story and another story. Also, will you indulge me and say the name of that well one more time? Mimisbrunner, M I M I S B R U N N R. I love that. Well, I. This is kind of silly, but when you said it for the first time, I don't know why, but in my brain, all I could think of was Rose Nyland from the Golden Girls. It's. I don't know. Can I admit something to you? What? I've never seen the Golden Girls. And we're gonna talk about that on another day. Okay, wait. On the list of Fantastic Fungi, where does it fall? <laughs> well, Fantastic Fungi is an hour and a half, so go for okay. that first. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but Golden Girls is one of the, it like actually holds up after all this time. So it's worth I a mean, watch. I've seen like snippets and clips and stuff, but I don't think I've ever seen a whole episode. I'll, I'll, I'll have to make, if you're not going to dedicate to watching the whole thing, I'll make you a list of episodes to watch. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we can have a sleepover into it so then the third route is in asgard and its well is Erdarbrunner or urda's well and it is tended to by three norns who are the coolest most badass bitches so cool so these are like the maidens of time like they're so cool so urda is the past Verdani, Verdandi is the present, and Skuld is the future, and they spin the threads of fate for all beings, and they just like hang out and tend to this well. <laughs> so it's literally the same as the fates from Greek mythology. Yeah. yeah. Who stole? Who stole whose story? Who? Whom's 
Hoomst stole Hoomst. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's just the question of all folklore, right? But water from Erda's well is so sacred that everything it touches besides Yggdrasil, like they water Yggdrasil with it, but everything it touches besides the world tree becomes as white as the membrane inside of an eggshell. And this is where swans come from. So swans come from the fountain of time. Yeah. Kind of into that. This is also where the gods and goddesses chill. And I don't know why, but this just sounds so plain to me. Like, they just come to pass judgment in daily meetings. And for some reason, that just sounds like like they're just like, oh, got to join the committee again. We got to discuss so-and-so. Let's pass judgment. (laughs) I mean, that does. I'll agree with you. That sounds kind of mundane. Like, if I was a god or a goddess, I wouldn't want to have to have daily meetings to judge people, you know? They had the I guess... water cooler. It's literally the water cooler, but the sacred water cooler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, that's Yggdrasil. That is the basic, basic top layer of the world tree. That I honestly didn't know any of that. And I'm really happy to know it now. <laughs> Me either. Before I did this research, I think I'm going to probably have to go down some some rabbit holes about, <laughs> about I Norse just, mythology. I only know like the very basics of Norse mythology, like Odin and Thor and Loki and that mm-hmm. gambit of that world and Asgard, Boring. that kind Tell of thing. Tell me more about the squirrel. <laughs> right? Where's the squirrel at? How's, <laughs> in all of the Marvel movies... With Thor in them. How the fuck did that squirrel not make it? That'd be the perfect comedic relief. Honestly. Agreed. So then, moving on to the trees of life. In Egypt, Isis and Osiris emerged from an acacia tree, which I had never known before, but almost all of the trees of life in a lot of different places are acacia trees. Weird. Is interesting to me, which I guess makes sense because that was, you know, the tree in Egypt. So, but yeah, Isis and Osiris emerged from an acacia tree. And also, they had another tree of life in Egypt, which was the sycamore fig, Ficus sycamorus, which stood in between life and death, which I think is a really cool image of this tree standing mm-hmm. in between life and death. That's cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. In Chinese mythology, a lot of times the tree is of life is depicted in carvings with a phoenix and a dragon, which I thought was really interesting because I thought that was a lot similar to, you know, the eagle and the serpent in Yggdrasil. But this came way before. This was like 12,000 BCE. In, and in 12,000 BCE, they found a sacrificial pit. And in this pit was this carving, this incredible carving of this tree that had a dragon in the roots and a phoenix in the top. And I'll post pictures if I can find a good one, but it's so cool looking. I'm into that. In Taoism, there is a myth or a a story where there is a peach tree, and this peach tree makes one peach every 3,000 years. And if you eat this peach, you will have immortality. Where are we at on that cycle? Because... Yeah, you know, that's what I was saying. I was like, hey, if you're listening and you ate the peach, you know, 3,000 or whatever years ago, email us at propagatedpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, like, we want to hear from you. <laughs> we're your buddies. So, like, just let's, actually, that's such a total lie. You could give it to somebody so much better than me because I don't want to be immortal. That sounds honestly kind of no, hellish. I'm good. Especially, I, mean, 
I've been alive for 30 years and I'm already sick of myself. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there couldn't be anything but mundane after the first like 300 years, right? Like it all could be the same. Yeah. Also, if you're immortal, what if the earth dies? You just have to walk a barren earth as an immortal? Just float through space. Sorry, I'm I'm being very distracting today, and I'll try to. Roll <laughs> no, I love it. This is a fun one. In Judaism, there's a common saying called "etzheim." Etzheim. Yes, I think I said that right. I looked it up. I'm so sorry if not, but it's Hebrew for the tree of life, and it's used in a lot of different contexts, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, in the book of Genesis, the tree of life is distinct from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And after Eve and Adam are cast out of Eden, two cherubs guard the entrance to the Garden of Eden with flaming swords to protect the tree of life so no one can get back to it. And it, But it's still remaining in the garden, I guess. You know, I think it's really funny that people have, like, the idea of cherubs, right? Like, when I yeah. think of a cherub and, like, the more mainstream idea of a cherub, I would imagine, is, like, this cute little baby angel with wings it's like looks like cute like looks like the cartoon you know idea of cupid yeah biblical angels are fucking terrifying <laughs> absolutely scary like in but the way you just said that like two cherubs guarding the garden of eden with the, the flaming, flaming sword, sword. Yeah. i just imagine like a baby holding like a 20 foot long <laughs> flaming sword flying on tiny ass little wings sounds hilarious to me honestly like do you think a cherub would have a baby voice like, get out of here, you can't come into Eden? I imagine them like, terrifying. I imagine them literally like the cherubs in Over the Garden Wall. Yeah, totally. Just, yeah, totally. Apparently, I didn't know this either. Talking about acacia trees, apparently the burning bush is assumed to be an acacia tree. Okay. I, I did not have that knowledge, but I'm happy to have it now. Yeah. In Christianity... In Revelation, Revelations, Revelations, it's a plural, it's plural. Um, the, the tree of life also has 12 fruit and it has one for each season. And many Christians apparently to this day still believe that the acacia tree is the tree of life. Interesting. Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense since it all came from Egypt, right? (laughs) Yep. From that area for sure. Um, in India, the banyan tree and the peepal tree, which I had never heard of before, but is also known as the sacred fig. These are both two varieties of fig. They're both the tree of life. So the banyan tree means fertility and is used in fertility rites and such and practices. And the banyan tree nourished humanity with milk before grain and other foods were a thing apparently in in the stories the bodhi tree under which buddha had achieved enlightenment is apparently a peepal tree or the sacred fig awesome and then last but certainly not least in anishinaabe stories the especially the story of turtle island which i think is a brilliant story which i'm not going to tell because it's not mine to tell but you should definitely read braiding sweetgrass one of my favorite books um in some of the iterations of this story sky woman when she falls from earth grabs onto the tree of life and has some bark in her hand 
and uses that as part of the story to establish Turtle Island, which is North America. Where we oh, are. cool. Yeah, and that's the Tree of Life. Well, that's just a fucking amazing thing, honestly. So that's it. That's my bit. All right. Well, that is going to be a hard-to-follow act that you just did. Mine goes in the same direction as last week. I stuck with my cryptids. I'm going to start with something that cultures across the world, if they live in forested areas, um, tend to have an iteration of Bigfoot, which is what North Americans call it. A.K. Sasquatch, which is a name, of course, colonizers had to bastardize. So the word Sasquatch actually comes from, and I'm going to try, and it's a, it's a word, but I'm going to try. Comes from Hulk Emmayelum, I think. I don't know. It's a language spoken by First Nations people in Southwest British Columbia, though. Um, hmm. And it comes from the word Saskets. Um, so obviously it's not that far different, but now we say Sasquatch here. Um, so I feel like most people are probably at, on, on some level familiar with Bigfoot He's famous. and you, we all know Bigfoot to be a creature that's humanoid in design and reasonably larger than your average homo sapien. Like there aren't humans that match the size of a Sasquatch. Um, and just as a brief aside, I, my original love for Bigfoot and Sasquatch came from Harry and the Hendersons. Hmm. If you are a listener and you watched Harry and the Hendersons and loved it as much as I did, you should write it and let me know because I thought it was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. It came out in 1987, so it was a little bit before me, but I remember like the entrance scene is this family driving down this super scenic forest road to go camping. And you, there's like this lack of tension. It's very lackadaisical, very fun to watch, very pretty to look at. And then all of a sudden, they smash into something, oh, no. which ends up being a Bigfoot. And I'm not going to give the rest <gasps> of the plot away because if you haven't watched it, you should watch it. And it's amazing. Yeah, um, I haven't seen it. I haven't watched it in years, so if I'm recommending this and it has some problematic stuff in it, I'm really sorry because I haven't watched it since I was a kid. But it was one of my favorite shows as a kid. So, <laughs> But some of the signs that you could have ran across a Sasquatch or been in the per, like proximity of a Bigfoot are obviously the largest fuck tracks you might see in the ground. <laughs> That's like the number one, you know? It's also the number one way people have tried to have their hoax moment of saying they were around a Bigfoot. Mm. But if you're not the most attentive person in the world and you're not a hunter looking at the tracks on the ground, then it's also said that Bigfoot will whistle at people. Oh. And, you know, it's not so much like a cat call. I was going to say, is he trying to hit on me? Right. It's not so much a cat call as it is said to be an attempt to sometimes confuse and lead people astray. The Plateau tribes people have called Bigfoot a stick person or Swanatum. It's it's spelled Scanicum, like S-K-A-N-I-C-U-M, but it's pronounced Swanatum. Hmm. 
which is wild to me and it's very hard for me to keep up with. Yeah. Um, and that actually includes more than just Sasquatch, but is primarily reserved for Sasquatch now. It's also said that Swanatum can turn into a tree. Uh, so this is a story that was told. It was said that a group of Indians followed Swanatum to a ravine through the bottom of which flowed a creek with an un- with a with the usual like heavy growth of trees and brush and willows and stuff at this creek bed, right? And they sat down on the hillside where they could see the entire area including the hillsides around them. And after they had sat there for a while and couldn't see Swinnetum leave, uh, they went down into the ravine to look more heavily while other natives sat atop the hill to watch to see if it could have left in any other direction. Mm. And after they did this like huge search of the ravine, they couldn't find Swanatum anywhere, just trees. And they were mm. certain that there's no way that they could have left the ravine without being seen. But they were all way too scared to chop down any trees with an axe. Yeah. So now they say that Either Swinnetum is able to turn into a tree or their natural camouflage is so amazing that if they stand motionless against a tree, they're nearly imperceptible. Huh. I love that. That was kind of cool. Yeah. So when you switch tribes and you go to the Wenatchee tribe, Sasquatch was known as Choanito, which in their language means night people. Hmm. The Wenatchee tribe story you have a lady named Isabel who was a 100 year old native woman and a member of the Wenatchee tribe and this is a written report given to the person who wrote this article so I'm going to quote it and just as a just as an aside this is a story that a 100 year old person is telling about an event that occurred during her great grandfather's generation so Mm keeping that in mind. Um, So in the fall of the year, October, a group of male members of the Wenatchee tribe were on a hunting trip near Wenatchee Lake. One of the men became separated from the rest of the party and was captured by Choanito. So I have to look at it every time because some of these are spelled so weird and they have pronunciation guides, but it's a lot. He was taken to a cave far up in the Rocky Mountains and held captive by a family of Choanitos through the winter until spring. The odor in the cave was terrible. They would not take him out hunting with them, but made him remain in camp near the cave with the women. They were like a different tribe of Native Americans. In the spring, they returned him to where they had captured him. Upon returning to his camp, he was immediately recognized by the children who couldn't believe that he was back as he had been gone for so long. They thought that he had been killed. He had been treated well by Chauanito. Yeah, I love that. Which I thought was really cool. Because a lot of the stories that you hear kind of make Sasquatch sound more scary. But then there are a lot of there are a lot of stories also and a lot of reports that would suggest that they could have been more of a uh, gentle giant kind of situation. No, that's what I always thought that they were. I always thought that Bigfoot was just like the sweetest dude that was just like, ah, I don't know if I want to mess with her humanity. I'm just a mega introvert. Yeah, I like my <laughs> privacy. Thanks, though. And you know what? I respect that. I respect that a lot. Um, All right, one more. Not one more. Another 
story about Sasquatch sightings. Um, there's this lady named Margie, and she was married and living on the reservation as a white person since 1984. Uh, she reported that her and her mother-in-law had dug commas roots, which I'm not familiar with, and I didn't look up, just to be totally honest with you. Um, <laughs> they dug some kind of plant roots, which they placed on the roof of their trailer, which was high enough to where an a- your average animal couldn't easily get to them, right? Yeah. So during the night, her mother heard Choanito on the roof. Like heard walking on the roof. In the morning, the commas roots were gone, and Choanito had put the puppy on the roof. So that's to say that that story is just to say that they think that the Chonito is still active in this area. I love it. Did you ever play Harvest Moon? No. Harvest Moon 64, the best cheat code ever was if you put your dog on the roof, you never had to feed him again. I love that. <laughs> that's immediately where my brain went. I love that so much. <sighs> in Oregon, written documentation of sightings go back to 1904 with settlers in the area reporting a wild hairy man stalking the hills of the Sixes River area, which is like near the coastal ranges. Um, and similar reports were made for decades after that. Hmm. Um, Could you imagine if you were just like some dude that was just living off grid? And you just, <laughs> no, it, like. You just became you just, more. Yeah, you're you just know? getting news stories written about you, you know? Like, you're in all the newspapers, but you're like, I don't know the fuck, who the fuck are you people? Why? You see, and you're like, wait a minute, that looks like me. It's like, why is there That's a great, really why is there a grainy photo of me bathing in this fucking river? What the fuck? <laughs> I was just taking a bath. Calm down. <laughs> um, And then, just one more. If you look this up, in 1924, there was actually, like, Newspaper articles you can still read, like several, like widely reported on. There was an attack on some miners in Oregon that were said to be committed by some giant, hairy, ape-like creature. Okay, yeah, but it's not my Bigfoot. He wouldn't, or actually maybe he would attack them if they stepped in his forest. I don't know. And also, they were literally stealing resources from their forest, too. They were miners. That's true. Not miners as in children, like miners as in like I'm going to dig giant holes with D- with TNT and and destroy the so- this mountain. Oh, miners like it's not their fault. They needed to make a living. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of fight capitalism, Bigfoot. Don't fight the miners. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if like the epic end all be all fight of us against capitalism, like Bigfoot's leading the charge? I mean, it would be it'd be like in Lord of the Rings when the Ents finally come out. Oh yes! Oh, what a good reference! I love that. Um, but like I said, obviously I could go for days telling stories about Bigfoot because Bigfoot's fucking Bigfoot. They are the best. Um, I don't think Bigfoot's gendered. You know, body hair is genderless. That's factual. So after talking about Bigfoot, and since we went. Even though it was just a breaking the skin amount of information talking about the tree of life, I think this episode might be getting on the long side. So I think, (laughs) oh yeah, it's definitely Frankie's fault. It's always Frankie's fault. If anything goes wrong, (laughs) talk to Frankie. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not sure that's true. I'm just kidding. Um, 
But I do think that we've hit that sweet spot where we're going to let you guys off the hook and stop talking about stuff this week. I do think, though, that Frankie has a fun fact that she forgot to tell us last week that she's going to give to us this week. Once again, brain scatter, dopamine buy. (laughs) (laughs) Dopamine buy. My fellow ADHDers will understand exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) My fun fact is about the oldest houseplant. It is over 240 years old. A houseplant in a pot. (laughs) You know, you told me about this because you forgot to tell us on the last episode. (laughs) And so Frankie couldn't couldn't hold it in when I talked to her after that. She was like, oh, my God, let me tell you about the oldest houseplant. And I'm really... (laughs) I'm really fucked up about it, honestly. This is that's old as yeah. fuck. So it's at our favorite place that we need to visit one day in the Kew Gardens. And it is an Eastern Cape giant psyca. It arrived in 1775 after the botanist Francis Mason brought it back from South Africa. That's it. That's the fun fact. 240 years old in a fucking pot. I know I'll have to post a picture. It's really cute. <laughs> it's re- it's cute? I think it's cute. I it's like, like one of those greenhouse plants that you always see, you know? I feel like it should be gargantuan. Yeah, it's pretty big. She definitely is an old lady. She's like the, the grandma of the greenhouse. <laughs> 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 Which might also be my Animal Crossing passport name, grandma of the greenhouse. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Into it. <laughs> Well, that's it. That's the episode. Thank you all for joining us today. If it was your first time, welcome. If it wasn't your first time, welcome back. I guess apparently we're charting now. (laughs) We're charting on Apple Podcasts now, which is pretty cool. I mean, we're like number like 229 in the US, but I'm into it. That's amazing. Also, for you Canadian listeners, apparently we're 35th in the charts in Canada, which thanks thanks, so much. for. Shout out to you. I mean, like, I definitely want to move to Canada, but that's that's a story for another day. I, that's yeah, a lie. It's too cold. Same. Too cold. Too cold, guys. I can't. Oh no, do I'm it. into it. I'll be there. <laughs> um, you can come visit me. I'll come visit for sure. Uh, we also want to thank every single person who left a review because you are the ones who put us on the chart. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Those algorithms love us because of you. Yes. And we also have a super special thank you to a new Patreon. Who's the new plant, Sadie? Their name is Duncan Brown. I don't want to assume pronouns. I don't see them. So I'm just going to use they, them. Thank you so much, Duncan. You are the best. Thanks for joining our Plant Sadie crew. We love you and everybody else that's Plant Sadie and people who aren't Plant Zaddies. We love you too. Yeah. And if you want to join us. It's very easy to find us. All you have to do is go to propagatedpodcast.com. Honestly, if you need to find out anything about us, that is going to be your best asset propagatedpodcast.com is going to give you any merch that we ever have available to you guys. It's also going to give you links to any of our social media platforms. If you want to communicate with us on any of those, we would love that. It's going to give you uh, the ability to send us an email if you feel the need to give us to shoot us an email for something. Also, if you listen to us on Spotify and would love to give us a review and let us know how we're doing or talk to us, and they don't give you the option to do that on Spotify, you can certainly shoot us an email. We love reading feedback. We love hearing your opinions. It's a great thing for us. Um, And like I said, just go to propagatedpodcast.com. It's going to give you all the links to anything you could possibly want from us. 
Yeah, these two episodes were brought to you by friend of the pod, Jeff, who asked for more... more <laughs> who asked... Oh my gosh, my voice just gave up. Who asked for more folklore. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. End of the episode. <laughs> yeah, if you... If you made it this far, you get to hear all the bloopers from Frankie over there, apparently. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you also get to hear my best effort at a customer service voice. <laughs> Do you want to hear my phone voice? Thank you so much for calling. This is Frankie. How can I help you? <laughs> when people call the bar, you want to know how I answer? What? <laughs> Banks at bar. What? No, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> really? I do. I do only say Banks at bar. And now everyone knows where to find you. Uh, you know, if you want to come visit me and give me your money, you're more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye. See you next time. Bye.